Hello and welcome back to the Giants of the Faith podcast, where we are focused on the men and women from church history that have made an impact for the kingdom of God. My name is Robert Daniels, and I'm the regular host of this show. In this episode, we're looking at a woman who, in the face of great personal tragedy, rose above her circumstances and experienced God doing a great work through her and her ministry. And today I'm joined by my favorite guest host, my wife, Jennifer. It was her suggestion to profile Elizabeth Elliot next, and she's going to take the lead on presenting Elizabeth's story. Hello, everybody. It's great to be back on my favorite podcast. Elizabeth Elliot was born Elizabeth Howard on December 27, 1926, to parents Philip and Catherine. Her parents, they were foreign missionaries, but after Elizabeth was born in Brussels, Belgium, the family moved back to the U.S., to Germantown, Pennsylvania. Philip became the editor of the Sunday School Times, which was a curriculum publication used in churches across the country. The family grew and eventually included four boys and two girls. They moved around a bit, living in New Hampshire and New Jersey during Elizabeth's childhood. By the time she was ready for college, Elizabeth knew she wanted to enter the mission field herself. She enrolled at Wheaton College to study Greek. She planned to use her acquired language skills to help her translate the New Testament to people in remote regions of the world without access to the scriptures in their own language. At Wheaton, Elizabeth met fellow student Jim Elliott. The two were part of missions work in Ecuador, separately at first, but then together after their marriage in 1953. The couple had a daughter, Valerie, born in February of 1955. The Elliots worked with and lived with the Quechua Indians until 1956. And at that time, Jim began making preparations to make contact with the Aqua tribe. The Aquas, also known as the Warani, are a group of people that lived in the Ecuadorian jungle and were previously uncontacted by the outside world. So Aqua is the Quechua word for savage and they were known to be a very violent people. They were basically a Stone Age tribe, untouched by the modern world. For months, a team of missionaries, Jim Elliott, Nate Saint, Ed McCulley, Peter Fleming, and Roger Yadarian, worked to initiate contact. The team flew several airplane missions over the jungle, looking for aqua settlements. When they finally identified several locations and began flying over them regularly, they developed a method of lowering gift bundles from the airplane and then began dropping in presents, things like cookware, buttons, machetes, and more. They also brought along a bullhorn and they used it to open a dialogue with the tribesmen. They'd learned some Warani words from a Warani woman named Dayuma who had left her tribe and befriended Nate Saint's sister Rachel. The team decided to take it to the next level and initiate face-to-face contact. So they set up a camp on a stretch of beach near the Warani settlements, and they waited. Things seemed to be friendly at first, but they soon turned deadly. Due to a misunderstanding or a miscommunication, the Warani attacked the missionary camp and killed all five men on January 8, 1956. Elizabeth, in cooperation with the families of the other dead missionaries, put together an account of the mission trip and the effort to engage the Aquas. She compiled letters and stories from the men and in 1957, published what would be her best-known book, Through the Gates of Splendor. Ten years later, in 1967, a documentary film was produced from the book, which Elizabeth herself narrated, and which included actual footage from the missionary cameras. 
After the death of the men, their wives and families grieved, of course, but their sadness was tinged with joy. There was gladness among the group that the men had gone to glory doing the Lord's work, and among two women in particular, there was a steadfastness to continue the work. After the completion of Through the Gates of Splendor, Elizabeth Elliot and Rachel Saint remained determined to reach the Irani people for Christ. They learned more of the language and culture from three women that had left the tribe to live with and near the missionaries and had come to faith in Christ. Elizabeth and Rachel studied with them for almost a year until the three women decided to return home to their tribe. After only three weeks, the three women returned to the mission compound and brought seven other Warani with them. They'd come with an invitation for the missionaries to come visit the tribe. Rachel and Elizabeth decided to accept the offer, believing that God would use them to reach these people. Many of the other missionaries tried to dissuade the women, but they could not be deterred. Elizabeth loaded up her infant daughter on her back, and the women set out to reach the Warani camp. They arrived on October 8, 1958, the date that would have been Jim and Elizabeth's fifth wedding anniversary. The Warani were friendly and welcoming, even giving Elizabeth a friendly nickname, Woodpecker. Eventually, Elizabeth came to understand why the missionaries had been killed. The Warani told her that they were worried that the outsiders would take away their freedoms. They were worried that they would lose their liberties. In essence, as Elizabeth understood things, they were defending their homeland, and she could accept that. After a year with the Warani, a year in which several tribesmen came to Christ, Elizabeth returned to the Kichwa, where she remained until 1963, when she moved back to the United States and took up residence in New Hampshire. Back in the U.S., Elizabeth continued her quest to spread the gospel of Jesus. She went on to author two dozen books on subjects like suffering and loneliness, biblical woman and manhood, family, and more. She also spoke at many events and churches, sharing her testimony and that of her dead husband. In 1963, Elizabeth married Addison Leach, who was a professor at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. Unfortunately, Leach died in 1973. Elizabeth went on to become an instructor at the seminary, and for years she taught a popular class called Christian Expression, which encouraged students to take a biblical view of God's love. Here's a quote from her book, passion and purity, which is kind of a summation of what she tried to convey in her class. Our vision is so limited we can hardly imagine a love that does not show itself in protection from suffering. The love of God is of a different nature altogether. It does not hate tragedy. It never denies reality. It stands in the very teeth of suffering. The love of God did not protect his own son. That was the proof of his love, that he gave that son that he let him go to Calvary's cross, though legions of angels might have rescued him. This was a woman that had suffered, and she knew that even in the suffering, God's love was there. In 1977, Elizabeth married for the third and final time a man named Lars Grin, with whom she spent the rest of her life. Elizabeth went on to host a long-running radio show, Gateway to Joy, from the late 1980s until about 2001. It was a short, 15-minute daily show that was broadcast nationally. During the last decade of her life, she tragically suffered from dementia until she died on June 15, 2015, at age 88. Elizabeth was that rare woman who took a great personal tragedy and used it for the Lord. She directly impacted the lives of the Warani people 
and inspired millions of others with her story, then continue to use her platform to encourage and instruct Christians to live more fully for Christ. She continues to be an inspiration to us all. And that's it for this episode of Giants of the Faith. Thanks very much for listening. Until next time, God bless. Mm-hmm.